Okay, team, we've been talking about elementals today. And I have a very simple question for our cold open. And we're going to talk about anime for a second. What? Right? See what I did there? (laughs) We're going to talk about the last airbender. Oh, God. (laughs) In that if you were an elemental bender, which type of bender would you be? Flesh. <laughs> that technically I don't have there is. Like, oh, gross! Okay, I, yes, I have a lot of words. Bone bender. <laughs> is it flesh bender? What did I roll there, Megan? You got a fifteen. So you did both I. Got 15. Yeah, let's roll off, Terry. Roll off. Twenty, not twenty. So I guess I'm going first. Yes. What is the last Airbender? <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw this coming. Oh. <laughs> I'm an, the wrong person to go first. It's though. an anemone. Okay, like a sea anemone. That's an anime. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this this is the one where they just have think think monks, but they specific to their clans. They have way of the four elements. Yes, ability to control an element. But it's they have one specific one, right? I think the monks can. There's only one that can do all four. Okay, and that is the avatar. That's what the whole. Okay, all right, I get it. I figured out the name of the show. Yeah, I don't have to watch it now. Okay, so it's something about a giant. Is it a yak? Yeah. Okay. Oh, with Opa, something like that. Sure. I think he's a luck dragon. (laughs) No, that's that's the wrong thing. (laughs) Um, uh, Earth. I would choose Earth. Why Earth? Because um, what what's the mold Earth cantrip? Is yeah. the most powerful shit in the game mm-hmm. that nobody gives credit to. Right. If I ever have the opportunity to pick a cantrip, it is Mold Earth because I will just break the game. Oh, we need to go through this room to get the. No, we don't. We're going around. Give me 10 minutes. Let me break it. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm going to make a new tunnel. Right. The idea of I can hit you with, with damage effects if I'm an earth bender because I can just throw boulders or rocks. I can mm-hmm. make statues. I can. I, I will make effigies to the most inappropriate shit I can think of, <laughs> and, and I can just bore and tunnel my way. I always be changing. I will live in a stone house in a castle with no front door. Right. Yeah. Because why wouldn't I? I'm now imagine walking into a town where there's just a bunch of buildings with no doors. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so so Earth. I think it's the it's the most powerful. It well. I also like air because you can just take people's breath away and they will die. Why don't they just do that in the show, Megan? Well, they're, you know, monks. <laughs> that seems like the way to beat the Fire Nation, though, if you ask me. So there the, is... Does the fire... Take the air away. The, 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 does the fire... I have to wait for my turn to say the things that I want to say. I got, okay. I, I got to ask, does, does the Fire Nation, can they create flames or do they just control flames that exist? Uh, both. Okay. All right. Depending on your level, if that makes sense. Oh, right. Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. At what point do you get a Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just trying to piss you off. Terry, you're next. Um, I think I'd go Earth as well. Yeah. Because it's always available to you. And I think it's the most useful one it, it, because of all of the reasons, Adam, that you just explained. Like, if I need a shelter, I can make a shelter. I can make weapons. I can just, I can literally just open up the earth and just get rid of any enemy that's in front of me and then seal them in there and then see you later. And like, you can control metal with, at that point, right? So I'm just going to make a sword if I walk through a mine. Well, so, I think you can't. Cause I remember the little blind girl. Yeah. Right? So my answer is one that isn't necessarily more traditional to the airbenders, but more on the fandom of it. And it's the being able to bend the elements within the elements. So the air, sorry, the earthbenders that can bend metal and the waterbenders that can actually bend blood. 
I was gonna say, I was gonna ask what the water is. Can I just suck the water out of a person and shrivel yeah, them? Yeah, so cool. the, that's like the dark magic version of the fandom era. I changed my answer to dark magic. Yes, so there is there are blood benders that can move actual human muscle, so you can control humans like. That is about puppets. the most evil thing that I can think of. Yeah, so that is worse than as killing soon as people. you said airbender, and you're like, what's your, what would you have? Like, bloodbender! But it doesn't actually exist. But. Okay. No. It's like in the fandom era, so, it, and it's like talked about. But so, how much water does there need to like? Because the human body is mostly water, but you can't just control it anyway as a water bender. No. Well, it is an anime for children. I will remind you both. <laughs> it shouldn't be, should it? Really? I feel like a bloodbender never needs Viagra. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> More dick jokes. I, I, well, that would be how I would die, because I'd just keep trying to bend more blood into it. <laughs> no, we can get more. We can't get any more in there. <laughs> Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast with your DMs, Adam, Terry, and Megan. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I am DM Terry, and with me is Megan and Adam, and today we're talking about elementals, particularly the gargantuan elementals out of Modern Canon's Tome of Foes. The legendary. I almost yeah. forgot what the name of the book was then. <laughs> Modern Canon's Tome of Monsters, Xanathar's. Now, yep. are you guys... Mm, just, I always like to ask, are you guys excited about elementals? But I tried not to open that question, but I'm going to. Do you, do you generally like elementals in D&D? find them boring, exciting? I just think they're a very broad topic. You can use them in any form, anywhere. I just... What, you find them to be like a lazy type of enemy or no? That's not what you're saying? Uh, I wouldn't use the term lazy. I would just say it's an easy pick if you're running out of creativity to throw an elemental at someone. Mm -hmm. Because there's always going to be a reason or rhyme behind throwing an elemental at somebody. So it's an easy choice. I always feel bad for elementals because I feel like everyone's just binding them all of the time. You are bound to this room to do this one thing. Mm -hmm. You over there are going to be bound to the ship so we can fly faster. Yeah. You over there are going to... And, like, I wish elementals had the ability to just not be bound to shit. That seems yeah. like an easy answer for a lot of stuff in D&D. &D. Yeah. Especially yeah. in Eberron. It's an easy magic answer yeah. for it something. It definitely is. And I think that's just purely... It's the same, like, whole thing of, like, Star Trek, right? Somehow they've managed to do this. It's Science! Where things are so <laughs> fantastical and magic. Well, we have a deflector dish on the front of the ship. Just put a tachyon pulse through it. We're gonna be fine. Whatever mumbo-jumbo you need. You just said a good. lot of words yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> somehow they managed to avoid the tachyon pulse. <laughs> we need to somehow make them do it. We have to make it a tachyon field. <laughs> and, uh, all right, and that's so. D&D when it's so magically based uh, we don't know the answers right because we made it up so we just have to keep making other things up so they get bound to everything because we made it up that's the reason why honestly uh, there are a lot of cool ele elementals that are in there the monster manual really gives you the quote unquote elementals mm -hmm. that are just straight answers right and then they give you the methods which are the weird combinations of so you've got the, you know, fire and water together makes the the magma method, right? Or the lava yeah. method. And so you get a lot of that shit. Um, but there are really cool ones in uh, Prince of the Apocalypse. The Prince of the Apocalypse themselves are gargantuan, almost god-level elementals. Right. What we're talking about today is really the same freaking thing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? These things are god-level elementals. These They're massively powerful. And... Um, and you get Myrmidons, which can wear armor and wield swords that are elementals. And like, I feel like you're intelligent elemental. Yeah. yeah. And 
they just they just feel like uh, halfway between a living spell from Eberron and a construct. Right. Right. They've almost got intelligence. They've got more willpower mm-hmm. than intelligence a lot of the time. And I mean, they're a force of nature. Right, yeah. like chaotic. They have a, a goal. That is all that they do. They don't yeah. really have a choice one way or the other. Yeah, and I'm always curious about what their motivations are besides just running around and doing elemental shit. And wanting well, to destroy other elements. I know, and I think for the most part, for elementals, it doesn't like like you're right. What are their motivations? But I guess because they're truly neutral, which I think is correct. At first, I was like, well, maybe they should be kind of chaotic. But I guess nature is not chaotic. It's just neutral in Na- all aspects. It doesn't no care opinion. about how you feel. It doesn't yeah. care. Yeah, it's just. It, <laughs> Nature loves a balance. Yeah, right. Um, 100%. That's what the weather is, is nature rebalancing, right? Mm -hmm. And circle of life and all that shit. So, yeah. I don't know. These are... You can flavor them any way you want, so I like them. I also like having them as just the odd random encounter. Right. Not not the ones we're talking about today. Elementals in general. I think the idea of trying to... Because we're always trying to figure out, oh, why is this the way this way? What does that person want? What are they trying to do? And asking all these questions. But... With elementals, it seems that the answer is just, uh, well, there is no answer. This is just what they do. They can't even help it. They're not even thinking most of the time. They're just... It's just Until they get mad because you've pissed it off. Yeah. Or you freed it from its prison so it's a wrecking house. And, right? Yeah, and now it's your friend and wants to fight with you. Or yeah. the mm-hmm. classic trope of find the four elements to destroy the evil thing. Like, That's genius. Never been done before. <laughs> Did you guys know there's a fifth element and it is Mila Jovovich? Spirit. Oh, baby. <laughs> I was correct. Mila, yeah. <laughs> it's, specific, it's specifically her, right? It's not spirit or, or love. It's it's her and her multi-pass. Yeah, it's multi-pass. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at accents. <laughs> Multi-class. That was terrible. That didn't sound anything like Mila Jovovich. <laughs> Mine was she's another on one though. that doesn't age. Keep an eye on her as well. Okay, Emilio Vampire. She's in that same. She's in that same she's legitimately an elemental. Like, like yeah. she's <laughs> Jennifer Lopez is in there as well. Orlando Bloom's not aging fast enough for my liking either. Um, yeah, there's something going on. Are you okay. jealous or of Orlando Bloom? I think when I was <laughs> oh, I, I hit when I was there. young, I hated Orlando Bloom for the same reasons. The opposite side, because all the girls loved him and being a teenage boy and not looking like Orlando Bloom was uh, was not fun around about the early Is that 2000s. why you grew long blonde hair to be like Legolas? Um, I never could. I could never go Legolas. I I was, if anything, was just a shitty Aragorn, really, because that's what I wanted to <laughs> We be. call that a Boromir. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but I think that's it, is I kind of wanted to be that gruff, manly kind of look, but obviously uh. being half-elf. I can't pull it off. So, okay, I'm going to go through explaining to the people at home a little bit about what an elemental is, where they can be found, where they come from. And then I would like to talk about, very quickly, tiers that you would usually find. them at if you guys have preferred tiers for combat and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But we won't do too much of a deep dive into it because our other topics is when we're really going to concentrate on the uh, on the elementals that we've selected, okay? So elementals, in a nutshell, are incarnations of the elements that make up the universe. So air, earth, fire... Water and Mila Jovovich, okay? On its home <laughs> plane, an elemental is a bodiless life form. Its dim consciousness manifests as a physical shape only when focused by the power of magic. A wild spirit of elemental force has no desire except to course through the element as its native plane. Like beasts of the material plane, these elemental spirits have no society or culture and little sense of being. So this kind of describes them as being very kind of simple, right? No motivations, just the pure neutral energy of nature 
I know there's no real reason why anything exists in D&D, but I always have that question of why are they alive? Why do they even exist? Well, there is a reason for some of them. Like, for example, demons are, are spewed out of the abyss. The mm -hmm. abyss creates demons. Monstrosities are literally made by wizards. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So constructs have a reason for them. Fey are pure chaos. And, and anything from the Shadowfell, mm -hmm. right? Is a, Undead have a reason. But elementals are just... I guess they're spewed out of the elemental chaos, the, the elemental planes. Yeah. Well, the, the bigger they get, the whole concept is that they absorb the other elements around them because one of their goals in life sometimes is to just cover the world in their element. Yeah. Right? Because they're, as the one element, they are not the balance. They are the one trying to find the I am the one element, right? It's like Highlander of elements. Mm -hmm. Never seen it. <laughs> really? Only watch the first one. There can really only be the one. The one. Yeah. How many is there? There's like seven now. There's seven Highlander That's movies. That's too many. Oh, Director DVD has just destroyed that entire series. Man, crazy. All right, elementals are conjured by magic, so certain spells and magic items can conjure an elemental, summoning it from the inner planes to the material plane. Elementals instinctively resent being pulled from their native planes and bound into service. A creature that summons an elemental must assert force of will to control it. We were just talking about bounding elementals, um, and, and it seems to be that they, they just get bound and then they're there. Are they expected to struggle? Do they... Do they ever fight back? What even holds them there? I, I would assume that a lot of campaigns can be built around the aspect of a bound elemental, like losing control of a bound elemental. Like right? a particularly big one? Yeah. Like, or it just grew to the point where you couldn't control it anymore. You lose mm -hmm. control of it. Now you need this party to destroy this elemental to get rid of the threat. But then in my mind, I'm thinking they would probably just conjure up another younger one to continue doing what they needed to do. Right. Right. What tiers do you think you're going to find them at? Most often. Well, that's the great thing is that a lot of them exist in tier one and tier two, like a lot of them. And then you get your big epic level tier. There's, I think the Phoenix is only, is the only thing that's kind of around tier three. Yeah. By, it was CR 16. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, like it's the beginning of tier four, but it's, it's not, um, whereas the other ones are like closer to 20. Yeah. And when you get to the other legendary ones. Yeah. So I feel like they are going to be your either last year where, they're either teaching a young team a lesson or they are an end game yeah, yeah. fight. For, right? Yeah, as far as combat goes, I like it when uh, when higher CR creatures, though, are involved in like a lower tier game. Mm -hmm. I still like the presence of being there. I don't always like it that they just suddenly appear because we're now in tier four. Well, that's what I mean. Like the teaching teams a lesson of you are not invincible. Yeah. There are forces in this world that will kill you. Yeah, 100%. Right? Whether it's just a simple storm from the Elder Tempest or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and you're going to obviously get more fire than anything else because outside of the the Mephits and the Elementals and these big epic ones, you get things like Fire Snakes and um, some of the weirds from uh, Ravnica and whatnot. A lot of it, it the, the Azur is, an, is another one, which is essentially a fire dwarf. Yeah. Right? Like, there's a lot of fire elemental stuff in existence. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of stat blocks for, for fire or for uh, elemental creatures in 5th edition. Yeah. I feel like it's almost something that you just add. I need fire goblins. Yeah. And the magmans aren't cutting it and the methods aren't cutting it. So, yeah, I like the I just, idea of, uh, of creatures being bound to elements anywhere. I talked a few months ago on the podcast about the idea of like dragons that are like go through whatever they need to do to become like tempest dragons or yeah. volcanic dragons. I like the idea of of the elements being bound into other creatures. And I think if you want to homebrew some monsters, that's a pretty safe way to go. 
Yeah, just give them an elemental attack or yeah. an elemental. Instead of doing slashing, they punch you with their fist and you take, I don't know, thunder damage for air yeah. and force damage for for earth. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll jump to a commercial in just a second and then we can start to uh, explore our own selections for the, uh, for the elder elementals. But just on ele- elementals in general, do you guys have any just final thoughts that you just want to be known before we move on? Um, uh, elementals are to me, they're not even henchmen. Mm-hmm. They're just something to add variety to a dungeon. Right. It's like do, do, do you know nobody, what I mean by that? Uh, they're not henchmen because nobody intended them to be there. Is yeah. how I imagine. Yes. Or it's like, e- oh fuck, there's a water elemental. Here. They're like the little, <laughs> well, the little four spirits that don't actually belong to anybody, but will be dicks and steal your mm-hmm. your equipment just to be funny. Like those are the things that I imagine when I think of elementals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if they're guards for a sacred area, they're usually just like. If you can break the binding, then they will walk away, like, well, float away. Yeah. Right? So the only other time that I ever think about using an elemental is as a, you've killed the big bad evil guy, but he has released the Elder Tempest, and that's your actual big boss. Because it was yeah. round? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? Round. We usually use a Tarask for that kind of shit, but I think you could do that with the Elder Elementals. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. All right, team. We'll jump to a commercial, and we'll be back after this short break. Hello Internet, it's Terry here. I'm listening to the special series on Eberron that Dave is running and it's completely fantastic. I like how he's doing a deep dive on all the crazy unique parts of the world and he's really giving a tour of all the weird places and strange mentalities in the high adventure steampunk setting. What I like about steampunk is it's as though we've gone back to the industrial revolution, the Victorian period, but it's like in the real world we've discovered things in a different order. So now we have this high fantasy, incredible, fantastical look at the world, but something seems so mundane, so it's like the world has been twisted into a strange and unique order. If steampunk and dinosaurs and pulp adventures interest you, but you know nothing about Eberron, or even if you're looking to start a campaign there, check out the series on iTunes, Spotify and more, and don't forget to set up your subscriptions and auto downloads okay back to the show welcome back so coming back onto topic two we'll see let's roll to see who gets to explore their monster first hold on by explore your mon. oh we're covering that <laughs> i had a nat 20 13. and then it rolled onto a two what do i have you, you have guys four. see your numbers okay yeah yeah you just need glasses. I think Dave. you need glasses, Ben. Okay. Once I've drawn back, driven back halfway across the lower mainland, I'll explore that. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so Megan's first, then, and you're second, Terry. Okay. Yeah. Megan, you get to go first. Cool. Tell everybody at home what you have, and I'm excited about this one because it reminds me of Final Fantasy. I was going to say, every yes! single high fantasy trope on the planet has a Leviathan somewhere. So, yes, I am talking about the Leviathan today. I do have a comment here that you do find them in your traditional fantasy books, TV shows, video games. They're all over the place. Um, But the elemental when it comes to D&D 5th edition is it is very straightforward, very straight and narrow. It's almost like talking about a dragon. It's it's nothing to... I don't find it that interesting or that overpowered in comparison to some of the other elementals. Um, Whereas if I was to fight this thing in a video game, I would probably shit my pants. So, 
Um, but uh, the Leviathan in general is basically your towering wall of water. It's the one that drags your ships down. It lives on the coast or in the middle of the ocean somewhere. It's another thing that drags your ships down. <laughs> yeah. Everything out there is doing that to ships. <laughs> right? Um, so you'll find this thing that it'll wash away your coastal settlements. So if you've got like a, a coast settlement or a town that's close to the water and you've got a uh, Leviathan, it's probably going to destroy your city. Not because it doesn't like you, probably, but just because that's its nature to do so. Um, people usually say that it has like a serpentine like body shape, almost like a, a sea dragon of some kind. Um, but yeah, that's basically what it looks like. It is water. It is, it is what it is, right? What do you think of when you think of Leviathan? You think video games too, Terry? I go straight to Final Fantasy. I played so much Final Fantasy growing up. Is it Final Fantasy Eight that has Leviathan? The only one I can think of. They're in most. It's pretty. Leviathan it is. is in pretty much every Final it Fantasy. It is. See, yeah. I've only played. I played like two or three of them a lot. And it, even if the rest of even them. if it's not a monster, it's an item. Yeah. Or yeah. something, right? So like it's, it's one of those spoken things. to. Yeah. 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 I think um, it's it's very Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. Leviathan, I imagine, like dragging ships down, and I. I would like to see, with these Elder Elementals, a little bit more myth surrounding them, because in D&D, we tend to have the lore of the creature, and if their communities know that lore, they know the lore, other than that, it's just, ah, nobody knows what this beast is. But I like the idea of there being different myths from different communities about the same thing. Like, some people think it's like... The, the lost lover scouring the seas to yeah. find their lover and blah, blah, blah. And some people I think, it's, think the, it's a weather god. The weather god yeah. or the embodied rage or whatever. Some princess became the Leviathan for whatever reason. I just think we should have more myth uh, with some truths in each community to, to kind of build up the puzzle of where this thing came from. Yeah, and I think that's the big piece about elementals. We kind of touched on it earlier is that they really don't have a rhyme or reason for being and being other right. than either being conjured by someone that has a rhyme or reason for it to be there or it just naturally occurs for because it is an element. So it just naturally happens to be there. Right. right. And it doesn't have any construct where it hates the paladin over in the corner. It's just like, you know what? I hate that corner. Yeah. Right. It has nothing to do with the fact that you're standing there. So I really feel like these are these are your your treants as well. Uh, like a lot of your plant monsters and oozes are if you don't go into their territory, they will leave you the fuck alone. Yeah. yeah. Right, and they're they're very, very, very neutral about shit. But these guys don't even eat or mate. Yeah. What are their motivations? Yeah. Right. So they, it's actually been written in elementary nature that they don't require air, food, drink, or sleep. Like they don't require any of that to exist. So what do they do? And they're not very intelligent at no. all. So like if we're looking at the stat block for the Leviathan itself, um, so this is gonna be your classic like CR, they say around twenty. Um, but I feel like they're a little bit weaker for 20, but it's still going to fuck you up pretty hard. Um, so these guys here, they do have a speed of 40 and a swim speed of 120. So obviously in the water, it's much swifter and quicker. Um, its stat block is very high in strength and con. So it's your 30 um, is what they've got there. And then um, deck followed by dex and wisdom. Then charisma, and then followed behind by intelligence with a negative four modifier. Yeah. So I think that really breathes true to the fact that these elementals don't have a brain mind to really care about you as a person. Yeah. They don't even have a language. Yeah. Right. So that's that's a key factor here as well. You can't communicate directly with them. That's right. You can't communicate with it. Yeah. It's like trying to communicate with... You can communicate with it like you can communicate with a dog. Right? Yeah. You can try to coax it out. But what do you... It doesn't eat. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, it, it. What are you motivated with? Yeah. 
that's it. So I feel like these things are meant to be disturbed. They are happy slumbering. Yeah. In the the epitome of their element. So the air is way up in the clouds. The Leviathan is at the bottom of a large inland sea or something that's calm. And they're content to just be there until you fuck around with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And these guys here, they, of course, because they're made of water, they have damage resistances up the yin-yang. So bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical items. You're, you're slashing at water. It's not really going to get hurt unless some magical means allows it to occur. Um, they have a damage immunity from acid and poison. At first, I didn't really understand it. And then I thought about it. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's water. So the poison would disperse amongst yeah. the water. And yeah. it doesn't have a bloodstream. So why would... Yeah. Anyways, my brain was like, that's stupid. I'm like, no, that makes sense. Don't think about it that way. Um, condition immunities are exhaustion, grappling. You can't grapple the water. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> paralyzed, uh, petrified, poisoned, prone, restrained, and stunned. So basically, you can't treat this like it's a solid object. You can't treat this like anything, apparently. Yeah. So it just exists. Um, I love that its senses are dark vision up to 60 feet. It makes sense. I guess there is a deepness to the ocean that you sure, have to be yep. able to see in, right? Well, um, and it's fifth edition. Everything gets dark vision. Everything. Yeah. Uh, except for Dragonborn. But yeah. no, that's fine. Uh, passive perception, 14. Um, pretty low. But again, I don't think it really cares that you were there or not there. Uh, no language, as we spoke of, and again, challenge rating of about 20. So, yeah, that is the basic breakdown of what it physically looks like and feels like. You were looking at water. It, but it, when it's in that like uh, that big serpent-type image, it looks like it should be awesome. But I think there's just so... Well, there's no motivations, and it's neutral, and you can't do anything to it. You can't communicate with it. It's like, why is this thing here? Well, it's a force of nature, right? So, like, if you think about, like, when you get a tsunami, if you think about in real life for us, like, you can't do anything about it. You literally have to brave the storm and hope that you don't die when it comes to the elements sometimes. And I think that's what they're kind of trying to pose that fear of, is that there are things in the D&D world that you have no control over and could kill you. I feel like with these elder elementals... They're not so much elementals as they are malevolent environments. Yeah. Forces yeah. of nature, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like a, It's like an environment that's going to react to you. And I think that's where the two intelligence comes from. Like, it, it will react to what you do to it. Yeah. So it needs a little bit of intelligence, I guess. Yeah. And I do like that even, like, their abilities for fighting. I'm going to put that in air quotations because they're not really fighting you. They're just existing in your yeah. plane. Um aren't really, like, specific to attacking one person, I find. It is very much area of effect. Yeah, we're here to just to swipe at everything in the region. And it feels like a get the fuck out. Yeah, right? So for these guys here, I'll go through some of their abilities to kind of go through that. So legendary resistance, obviously, three times a day. The Leviathan fails a saving throw. It can well, just see these are legendary the creatures, right? So, yeah, they're yeah. going to have that. Um, mixed in, of course, they do have their legendary actions of their slam and their move. All that kind of stuff. But some of the cool things that I liked about this one that I really enjoyed was they actually have almost one of its weaknesses built into it. So it has partial freeze. So if the Leviathan takes 50 cold damage or more during a single turn, Leviathan partially freezes until the end of its next turn. Its speed is reduced to 20 feet and it makes attack rolls with disadvantage. So it actually has almost like a a weakness built in. Mm -hmm. With its crazy amount of hit points. Yeah. It's like... On average, 328 hit points. Still 50 cold damage. 
you're not taking big chunks off this thing. No. Right? Like that's it's gonna it's gonna brush that off. Yeah. And that that lasts for what? around to the one end round. of its next turn. Yeah. yeah. So you almost have to have if this was to be successful, you would almost have to have like an army of like a freezing capability group to yeah. freeze this wave in place, right? Yeah. So um, then it's got Siege Monster. Leviathan deals double damage to objects and structures um, included in Tidal Wave, which is a huge nine-paragraph thing, which we'll get into. <laughs> um, water Form. So the Leviathan can enter a hostile creature's space and stop there, and it can move through a space as narrow as one inch wide without squeezing. So this is kind of the thought that you can't really hide anywhere, and it can drown you where you stand. Yeah. It doesn't even really need to attack you. Just... <laughs> Be where you are. <laughs> just going to stand here. <laughs> so. Yeah, you can't even running into the lighthouse and slamming the door. It's coming into the window. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, it's going to creak through. I gave this that one inch space, but it's water. I feel like it's going it, to, it does say in Tidal Wave, it almost destroys everything it touches. So even you, if you yeah. go in there. You know, the, the oozes do that too. And I don't think people play with that enough. That being chased by the crazy amount of things and watching it drip into the ceiling. And yeah. it just will not stop. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Creepy, creepy. Um, as actions, of course, this guy's got multi-attack um, mixed in with, uh, as you can use, it says it has a tail, but obviously it's because it has like a physical form of a it serpent. Is tail. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's front and back. Front, yeah. back, tail. Um, their slam is considered a melee attack of plus 16 to hit with a reach of 20 feet, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Can hit from a far distance, obviously. I imagine it's just like splashing water at you and just smacks you across the face. Sploosh. Um... But it's got crazy amounts of damage. It uh, hits, well, sorry, kind of. So it's 1d10 plus 10 bludgeoning damage plus 5 1d10 acid damage. Which, in my mind, I thought at first when I read that was a little bit weird. But then I was like, never mind. Humans poison water all the time. Why would it not have some kind of an acidic quality? Mm. Yeah. 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 Also, I feel like these guys are salt water creatures. Yeah, so, so you're going to get erosion, the slime, but Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna feel your your flesh getting stripped off of you, and I guess acid is the closest thing to that. To mm-hmm. stripping, yeah. <laughs> to, to stripping. <laughs> to stripping. Yeah. Yeah, you do enough acid, you will get you will you start will, to strip. You will become a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, it has its tail, as we talked about, for a melee attack. Um, this one is plus sixteen to hit with again a reach of twenty feet, uh, with the same kind of bludgeoning damage and acid damage. So. Yeah. This is really, really weak. One D ten for the for the slam and one D twelve for the well, technically two of each because there's bludgeoning yeah, and acid. You hit the twice in the same round. Yeah. But man, that that's just it's boring. Yeah. It is just boring. There's nothing there, and it's a CR twenty. Everybody's got two hundred hit points. Yeah. What are you doing with this? You're basically, and to your point, you are salt water that is slowly wearing away. Yeah. I, I don't even think you're using that really. I think you're no. capitalizing on you're opening up with a tidal wave. Yeah. Whatever's going on, wherever they are, uh, as DM, I'm opening up with a tidal wave, and then I'm just moving into them, and yeah. I'm gargantuan. So now you're just in a lighthouse drowning. It doesn't even need to be Leviathan, air quotes. You're just in water now. Yeah, basically. Um, that being said, I'll start to explain what Tidal Wave is, which to your point would be definitely your opening and consistent attack. Um, so while submerged, the Leviathan magically creates a wall of water centered on itself. And the wall is up to 250 feet long, up to 250 feet high, and is at least up to 50 feet thick. I am already more interested in this. Yeah. And I want to take this and use it as Tidal Waves... I would just take this ability and mechanically use this tidal waves in an aquatic campaign. Yeah. Yes. Fuck the Leviathan. I, I want this mechanic. Yeah, you just use yeah. that elemental mechanic behind yeah. it. It doesn't have to be a serpent of any kind. 
It's just a really good mechanic to yeah, use. Yeah, recharge six. So realistically, in real time, every 20 to 30 seconds, another tidal wave Cops. is just coming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when the wall appears, all other creatures within its area must make a DC 24 strength saving throw. So goodbye. Wizards, <laughs> spellcasters are just gone. Uh, just a paladin <laughs> and a barbarian stuff. They're going, what? Well, what are we supposed to do? Right? So a creature takes on average 33 damage, but 60, 10 bludgeoning damage on a failed save or half much damage on a successful one. So this is your, no matter what, you're getting hit by it. Just right. a matter of how much damage you take. Um, and then at the start of each of the Leviathan's turns after the wall appears, the wall, along with any other creature in it, moves 50 feet away from the Leviathan. So again, this is one of those kind of like protecting, like you're just moving them away from you, right? If they can't hit you, you can't die. Um, or please get out of my zone, get out of here, city. You yeah. took over my little area that I yeah. was comfortable and happy in. Get out of here. Um any huge or smaller creature inside the wall or whose space the wall enters when it moves must succeed on another DC 24 strength saving throw or take 27 or 5d10 bludgeoning damage. And then a creature takes this damage no more than once a turn. So that's that does work in the player's favor, but mm-hmm. let's be real. I don't think you'll survive this at the end of the day. Well, still 27 damage, and it was like 33 before that. Even if you end up taking both of those and a slam and a tail and a slam on the on the legendary action and all, this, you you're still gonna last four or five rounds before yeah. you're in you're any sort of real trouble. Fight. And yeah. and a lot of this is bludgeoning, so your barbarian is shrugging it off. Yeah, right. It's very true. Um, I'm also more thinking of this as in, like, if it wants to destroy a city, it's going to destroy it. Like, yeah, mundane... Well, especially with the siege monster. I don't think yeah. you're going to hit that in a sec here, too, right? Yeah, do crazy damage, yeah. So at the end of each turn, the wall moves. The wall's height is reduced by 50 feet. So if you imagine what a wave does. Yeah. And the damage uh, creatures take uh, from the wall on subsequent rounds is reduced by 1d10. So it, it gets less damage right. as it goes. Um, but it keeps going nonetheless, though. It does keep going, and when the wall reaches zero feet in height, the effect ends. So it takes a while to get it to zero, right? Um, a creature caught in the wall can move by swimming because of the force of the wave, although the creature must make a successful 24 strength or athletics check to swim at all during that turn. So in order to swim within this tidal wave, you do have to roll to be able to do so, mm-hmm. which I think is very fair. It's not you just have your swim speed because you're submerged in water. You are in a tidal wave. Yeah. You can't just swim willy-nilly. So, like, your random sea elf, should someone choose to do that, won't necessarily have that option. Right? It's a lot to think about, isn't it, really? Like, mechanics-wise, how to play it correctly. You know, if you're on a pirate ship and this was happening. Yeah. yeah it's, uh... you, and here's the other thing, too, is... It's 250 feet tall, up to, right? It moves 50 feet around. So the first round is 250 feet, so that's round one. And then it's 200 at round two, 150 round three. You can see where I'm going with this. Yeah. When it hits zero, that's six rounds it's gone by. This thing recharges on a six. Yeah. yeah. But in theory, you can hit with, on the next round, you can hit with another one of these. And so this goes. is just, just wall of water. Yeah. But me as a DM trying to track this, starts to become complicated mm-hmm. i almost need uh to put rulers down on my battle map yeah and then i move the ruler to here's where it is now and here's where it is now and, yeah and you can imagine and also depending on the proximity that, that you are to 
the Leviathan when it when it does this, right? Yeah. If, it, if it's because it's centered on it, if it creates the tidal wave here, well, does your ship go up here and then you ride the top of it, or you know, if, I suppose if you're further away, it's going to collect and you get drawn in and then pushed away. You know, he. I don't think I know enough about how waves work <laughs> to make this work. I don't know enough to dispute what you're saying. So. Yeah. Terry, you and I will go sit in the bathtub later and, and I'll explain some things to you. <laughs> the little boat. You see? I don't get it. I don't, I don't, magic. No, this is a little man. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it when it comes to Leviathan. Does anybody have any other pieces of info they want to throw in there? Before well, we, we can get throw in to... set piece ideas. Yeah, I was thinking we'll go into that unless anybody has anything they... Wanted to add to that. It's pretty basic. Yeah? No. Do you okay. want to do your own set piece idea first? Well, as I said, do you want to roll for it? Oh, that sure. Okay, this is an initiative roll within an initiative yes. roll, Megan. Okay? Yes, it is. You're complicating <laughs> it on my episode. I am talking about the Leviathan, so. <laughs> 12. 18. What did I get? Did I also get 12? You also got 12. God damn it, Terry. We've done this twice now. <laughs> Three. And a 10. All right. Okay. Megan, you're up first. So. The I... order is the same as the external <laughs> initiative that we have. I would like to note that nothing has changed. Yeah. Um, so I like the idea of using this elemental as a battle within a battle. So should you be in a city that um. that you have like your big, big bat in, um, they may not necessarily be attached to the elemental, but it's, it's just there because it just happens to be in that area. So if you have issues with very high powered characters, but your big, big bat isn't quite strong enough to fight it, yeah. I would almost want this going on in the background while they were trying to fight what they're trying to I fight. Especially if you put this thing about 100 feet away from the shoreline, yeah. like the battle's 100 feet away. So the tidal wave's coming in, but it's doing less damage, and you can control yeah, that. Yeah, and it right. can't reach you with its other abilities, but it is just being like, I don't appreciate you guys having a fight in my area. I need you to calm down. And yeah. it's like, it's basically fighting you guys fighting each That's other. That's really smart. So it's just responding to the imbalance that the battle's creating. Really. Yeah, it's not, literally yeah. a set piece of the what you've done to the earth or to whatever you piss it I off in your seat i like even that ha same thing happening further out in sea where either side probably thinks that the other side brought the leviathan yeah <laughs> i've just i'm going through i'm it's funny we're doing this i'm watching all the parts of the caribbean again recently there's, there's that one where barbosa like he gets the guy and he says we'll shoot the guy and he says kill him he's not our guy it's that same idea on a grander <laughs> yeah. scale i like that yeah yeah, especially if if you end up having to team up with the bad guys for a moment to mm -hmm. fight the Leviathan off. Halfway and how through you find the battle. That out? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Here. Well, here's my thing. I'm going with with Kuatoa. You could do this with any water cultists, but crazy little insane fish creatures. Mm -hmm. They're big thing. They're they're bipedal. They're known for going crazy. We haven't really talked about them in depth in this podcast, right? But they are. Um, they're mobs, and they live usually in the underdark. But, you know, any really deep, um, watery area. And their thing is that they are so fucking crazy because Mind Flayers have tortured them that it's now a racial trait that they get where they're just insane. Right. That they will worship anything. Mm. And they will often create gods. And if they worship the god, the god hard enough, the god will come into existence. They will create gods. They believe it will come into they, they actually will create they, the god? Yeah, they will create this thing into existence because they're fucking crazy, but they're like weirdly magical and, and they just... Connected use, to the universe. Yeah, they just psychically blah, knock it into existence. I love the idea of them creating a leviathan. Yeah. And then the leviathan just... Because they've all got like, I don't know, less than 20 hit points. Leviathan just killing out all of them. Yeah. yeah. And so... 
We're going to say they're going to sacrifice the party. The party has been captured because there's 900 of these little fuckers. <laughs> they summon the Leviathan. They're like, ah, now we'll feed him to the Leviathan. Leviathan doesn't give a shit. It's yeah. everybody there with this. And now you've got 900 dead fish people and six party members in ropes going, uh-oh. <laughs> right? And I think that would be just a lot of fun, especially yeah. mid-tier. Because even though this is a CR-20, it's almost under the assumption that you're going to hit with Tidal Wave three or four times. Yep. This really feels like a set piece CR-12. Yeah. And running away is an option, especially because it's pushing you away. Yeah. Right? It doesn't want you there. And yeah. now that I'm thinking that, I, I can just picture this thing kicking a Kraken onto land. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, shit. <laughs> just launching Krakens. <laughs> I, I know. The, the Kraken turns around like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of when we covered um, the Kraken in the um, Monstrosities episode, we had our, one of our set piece encounters where the Kraken was crawling up a lighthouse to get to the party and tearing the bricks away. And, right. And when I, I like the idea now of there being some sort of, of ritual that you can do at the top of the lighthouse to summon the Leviathan to kick that fucker back into the ocean. Yeah. Right? Or, or something. Like, I, now, I, now I, want, I want Kaiju Battle. Kraken versus Leviathan. Yeah. I think the Kraken will win, but I think it'll be badass and a lot of It'd fun. It'd be fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, so good. Right. Well, I kind of touched on mine earlier, just saying that I like the idea of there being more more myth, but uh, I like the idea of... Because they're not necessarily gods, but as elder elementals being treated like gods um, and being treated as gods and viewed from different ways. And then little bits of truth in each story... Uh, to the point that maybe the the party doesn't realize that they're dealing with an elder elemental. They may actually think they're dealing with a deity because they're just going based off of the folk tales mm-hmm. that are around in the areas. Uh, but I think the same thing you can apply to the other elder elder elementals as well. Um, is uh, is treating them much more like a like a very not chaotic. That's the wrong word. Neutral god that has devastating uh, damage on the on the things around it because it doesn't matter how hard you pray, it doesn't care. It's not even that it doesn't care. It's that it doesn't even think about whether it cares or not. Yeah. That's how neutral oh, they are. I love the idea of... Because elementals are traditionally bound, too, yeah. right? I love the idea of you going to release one of the genies, because each one of them is linked to a different elemental. Yeah. And like, oh, okay, we know this is the water one. So this is this is the Merid, I think it is. Yeah. And we're going to get a wish out of this. And they pop the cork, and a fucking Leviathan pops in. <laughs> Too bad, so yes. sad. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, exactly. Oopsie poopsies. <laughs> Oopsie doodle. <laughs> And that's it. Okay. Uh, who's going next, Adam? Uh, is, is it me? I thought I rolled a two. I think it's you next. Turn. It's me? Okay. Yeah. It's me. Yeah, you rolled a four. Allow me to turn the... I'm going second on a four. Well, I have the Zaratan that I had to read because I keep wanting to say Xanathar all the time. I have the Xanathar, completely unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> so I have the Zaratan. Um... When a Zaratan is summoned from the elemental plane of Earth, the ground rises up to take the shape of what looks like a hulking armored reptile. If you can think of what an armored reptile might that look like. That looks like a turtle. Giant looks turtle. Like a, looks like a tortoise. It's earthbound. A tortoise? Maybe. A tortoise. Okay, because it's earthbound. Okay. Is it not an iguana wearing plate mail? Or a tortoise? Maybe. What's a, a tortoise that you say? Tortoise? That's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just sitting back and enjoying this. It's, it's tortoise, isn't it? It, it, it? We we call it a tortoise. tortoise. Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I knew that, I think. Uh, the, Z- 
is that, but what's most important is you should understand that it's an earth-dwelling creature, okay? Yeah. Don't throw a tortoise into a lake, whatever you do. Yeah. Okay, you'll drown it. The Zeratan plods across the land, each step sending shockwaves through the ground, severe enough to unsettle structures. Dim-witted, the Zeratan lurches... like, oh, I'm so unsettled. <laughs> the Zeratan lurches onward, expressing its rage through its trumpeting calls and occasional boulder or blast of debris it spews from the cavernous maw. If seriously injured, the Zaratan slowly retracts its appendages to gain shelter. <laughs> if it gets cold out, right? <laughs> Have you guys seen the, the, the turtle sex video of the, no. the noise that it makes? Man, you gotta look that shit up. That was from years ago. Oh, yeah. It's it's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah. Okay. Zartan slowly retracts its appendages to gain shelter beneath its impervious shell, biding its time until it recovers and can resume its march. Okay. Armor class 21. Hit points 307 as standard. Speed 40 feet. Swim 40 feet. So I apologize. It can swim. I knew that because I read up on it before. But still. Um, Strength and con two highest stats. Dex 10 with a plus zero. I would argue that it should be even lower than that. But sure, whatever. Yeah, it's average. Yeah. But I'm averagely dexterous, and I feel like I'm more dexterous than this giant tortoise. You know? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, everybody thinks about large creatures as being relatively slow and plodding. Mm-hmm. And if the Jurassic Park movies have taught me anything, it's that that shit moves quickly. Yeah. Right. Funny. I And I, I don't picture the 1970s Godzilla. I picture Cloverfield Monster. Yeah. Right? That is running around knocking helicopters out, just swiping and like up to crazy shit. And you're right. When something is large enough, it doesn't matter if it appears to be moving slowly. It's still covering a lot of ground in that time. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Thinking Colossus type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wisdom 21. Charisma 18. Intelligence 2. Um, So vulnerable to thunder damage though. Uh, Damage resistances are cold, fire, lightning, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Damage immunities are poison, condition immunities, exhaustion, paralyzed, petrified, poison, stunned, 60 feet of dark vision, and 60 feet of tremor sense. Love that. <laughs> so it just means it, it can sense vibrations? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that too. Passive perception, 15. You can't communicate with it. It has no languages. Challenge rate in 22. Let's oh, look at these. Hold on, hold on. I, I got to say, does anybody else think it's weird that, that the earth elemental has less health than the water elemental? The water elemental has more hit points. And I know that the AC is higher, which makes sense, but... Yeah, because the AC is quite a bit higher. I think the AC for the Leviathan is only 17. Yeah, it's 21. They have that natural armor. But I feel like the Leviathan should have higher AC because its dex is super fucking through the roof, right? And yeah. and lower hit points. Like, does this not feel weird to anybody else? Am I on my own on this one? feels like it should have a higher dex, the Leviathan, because even if you're... It does. I kind of imagine is even if you're hitting it, how much are you really hitting it? The dex like, is How much do you have to penetrate? Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's got a dex of twenty four. Twenty four. How yeah. much do you have to penetrate the leviathan to cause damage? Right before you're just skimming water off the top of it, you're just, you're kind of slashing it like it's. Yeah, I I feel like its AC should be higher, should be as high as, but right. the zeratan should have more hit points. Just because your rock beats puddle every time. Yes. Rock beats puddle. <laughs> or rock drowns in puddle. <laughs> I'm a, okay, we got to talk about the, the, the inherent biological needs of rocks afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm okay with it either way. Yeah. Like it's. I'm not. Uh, I'm not swaying one direction or the other. Yeah. Mm, this feels odd to me. <laughs> 
It has earth-shaking movement, so as a bonus action, after moving at least 10 feet on the ground, the Zaratan can send a shockwave through the ground in a 120-foot radius circle centered on itself. That area becomes difficult terrain for one minute. Each creature on the ground that is concentrating must succeed on a DC 25 constitution saving throw or the creature's concentration is broken. Bear in mind, this is a bonus action after it has moved for 10 feet. Yeah. It can do this. It just kicks in the subwoofer. It just like shudders a little kicks bit. Kicks up rocks. Yeah. So it can do this all the time. So don't feel like you're going to be concentrating on any spells for too long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the shockwave deals 100 thunder damage to all structures in contact with the ground in the area. If a creature is near a structure that collapses, the creature might be buried. Um, a creature within half the distance of the structure's height must make a DC 25 deck saving throw on a failed save. The creature takes 17 bludgeoning damage, is knocked prone, and is trapped in the rubble. A trapped creature is restrained, requiring a DC 20 strength athletics check as an action to escape. Another creature within 5 feet of the buried creature can use its action to clear the rubble and grant advantage on the check. If three creatures use their actions in this way, the check is an automatic success. On a successful save, the creature takes half as much damage and doesn't fall prone or become trapped. Okay, first thoughts. First thoughts, remember I said tidal wave? Was, I would just steal that mechanic for any time I use a tidal wave? Yeah. Yes. I'm just going to steal this any time that there's a collapsing building or... Yeah, or an earthquake. Anyone who yeah. casts earthquake, this yeah. is this happening. This should be the result. Yeah. Yeah. The Tarrasque is rampaging through the city. This should this, this should be happening, 100%. right? Why, you're right. Why is this not happening in, in anywhere? The, yeah. the, these rules should exist in the DMG. Yeah. Right? For just dealing with massive damage. You always hear about siege monsters. We've run into them a lot so far. Mm. We will continue to talk about high-powered monsters every time we come back to them for the next year or so. Yeah. And they all have, or a lot of them anyway, have this siege monster effect to them. This this is a fucking part of it, right? It's doing damage to structures. How many hit points does a structure have? Yeah. Right. Let's get that info and let's figure out these mechanics and let's apply it to everything. This mechanic is also something that I've always thought about, but it just wasn't worth bringing up the table because it didn't seem like there was a mechanic for it. If I'm fighting, say, a T-Rex and it dies, that T-Rex is likely going to fall on top of me. So we need a mechanic like that for when we're fighting such large things. Or fall on the structure that you're standing on. Right? Yeah. Like the weight of it actually hitting the ground is a lot different than it just walking around. But I'm saying even if I was a even if I was a dragon, okay, and somebody got that killing blow and I was like, I'm going to die. Oops, I'll just collapse on top of you. That yeah. seems to make perfect sense. It's like a last fuck you. I have been in games sometimes where it's like, okay, we'll roll a deck save to jump out of the way of a falling body. I've, I've done that sometimes, yeah. especially when it's something like attached to the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I also like the idea of doing this crazy amount of fucking damage when you uh, drop an airship out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there there are definitely mechanics in here that I, w- I would... Use in other scenarios. This mm-hmm. is great, actually. I, I really like these mechanics. Legendary resistances, uh, three a day. Um, so magic weapons, the Zaratan's weapons are magical. Uh, Siege monster, which we discussed with the Leviathan. So the elemental takes double damage to objects and structures, including the earth shaking movement. As its actions, it has a multi-attack with bite, stomp. Stomp, if you're not familiar with, I'll let you know, is plus 17 to hit. has a reach of 20 feet. If you get hit, 26 is standard damage, bludgeoning. Uh, it can also spit rocks plus 17 to hit. Range 120 <laughs> feet to 240. <laughs> One target, 31 standard bludgeoning damage for that. Just spits rocks at you, sure. Or if you don't want to spit rocks as a breath weapon, it can spew debris, which is different. Smaller rocks. Yeah. Many smaller rocks. Many small rocks and license plates and 
children. The, the, I don't the know. Small Volvo. Yes, yeah, small yeah. Volvo. Because you can't break those fucking things. So, uh, the Zaratan exhales rocky debris in a 90-foot cube. Each creature in the area must make a DC 25 deck save. Creature takes 33 standard bludgeoning damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. A creature that fails the save by five or more is knocked prone. This thing is knocking you prone and pinning you down from all angles every turn. You also skipped the fact that the, that bite it has is essentially the same as stomp, but it's 48 plus 10 damage. That's right. It's higher right. damage. 48. That's right. So compared to the 1d10 plus plus 1d10. I'm just imagining like getting slapped by some water and then getting a rock to your face. Like, <laughs> like okay, that that's fair, but still also, have you guys ever been hit by a fucking wave? Oh, yes. That shit hurts. Yeah. Right? You go stand in front of a fire hydrant. I will open it up. That is like getting hit in the chest. I got my first concussion from the water. Really? How many concussions have you had? I've had three. Was it frozen? No, I was wakeboarding. (laughs) Oh. I hit the water. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. It's like hitting concrete. I got to ask. Everyone's wondering, what were the other two? Huh? What were the other two concussions? Uh, uh, Both were in cheerleading. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I see it. That's just fighting in the locker room with other cheerleaders. Yes, absolutely. This is not what I thought. I didn't think it would be wakeboarding and cheerleading. For those of you who don't know, Megan is a highly advanced karate practitioner. <laughs> practitioner, yeah. Kick, kicking and punching is a common part of her day. Week. But no. <laughs> but no. That must mean you're really good, though, if you're not getting hit. No. <laughs> All right, okay. Let's talk about some legendary actions, because I quite like these ones. Stomp. The Zaratan makes one stomp attack. Sure. Or it can move. Um, but for the cost of two actions, it can retract. So the Zaratan retracts into its shell until it takes the emerge action, which I'll talk about. It has resistance to all damage and it is restrained. The next time it takes a legendary action, it must take its revitalize or emerge action. I'll finish these three and then we can talk about them as a, as a, as a threesome. Revitalize. The Zaratan can use this option only if it is retracted into its shell. It gains 52 or 5d20 hit points. The next time it takes a legendary action, it must take its emerge action. And finally, the emerge action. The Zaratan emerges from its shell and uses Spit Rock. It can use this option only if it is retracted in its shell. Did you guys follow that okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did? Okay. <laughs> so, so for two actions, it can retreat into its shell. Yeah. Then on the next time it uses, which is the next turn, because it takes two of the three legendary so actions. So it's going to be the next round. Next, yeah. So, yeah. So next round, it can either heal 5d20, which sounds like a lot, but you're going to roll, yeah. well, you know, a 1, a 3, a 7, a 5. Your average, and, yeah, and at this yeah. tier, you're probably fighting things that are hitting you for more damage than yeah. what yeah. you're You're averaging back. 52. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then you can emerge and use Spit Rock, which... Um, that's kind of powerful, actually, being able to just do that. You also can you uh, just spit rock as a legendary action as well. Right? Yeah, so. I guess when it's retracted, though, it does have resistance to all damage. Resistance to all damage, yeah, including magical damage, oh, and wow. it's restrained. So, so that helps, I guess. Yeah, it's basically just retreating into to save itself, right? Yeah, and honestly, I feel like I could sit there and just revitalize, revitalize, revitalize until I heal all the way back up to full. Yeah, that's. It's just, I will be um, able. Oh, the next you can only revitalize once because the next time it takes a legendary action, it must take the emerge action. Oh, okay. So it has to come out of its shell. But that even just feels like a little bit of a lull in the battle where everybody goes, "Okay, well he's just buffing, healing. We've got a round." Okay, anyone? Okay, because we'll just hold our actions next yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I really like this. I wish that the Leviathan had the options that, that this has, yeah. right? There's so much flavor to this. 
based on the fact that it is a turtle. Yeah. Why did we not not get flavors based on the fact that it's a dragon? Yeah. For the for the Leviathan. The most just, Leviathan got was I can hit you with my tail, which is a wave, right? Yeah. But that's it. There's no like bite or claw or anything. I feel like you could do a breath weapon with Leviathan as well. Well, like if, a water stream. If, well, they they give the dragon turtle um a steam breath weapon, yeah. right? So maybe you don't have access to the heat, but you can hit them with essentially the same thing. A geyser. What would yeah. that be? Water or cold damage? Or I guess acid. They're leaning acid. into the acid anyway. They're putting anyway. the acid in there, yeah. Yeah, so. Pledging in an acid. But no, Pledging I agree. I feel acid. like this one has more flavor text to its actual form. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to a leviathan. I feel like what a leviathan is meant to do is fuck up your ship. Yes. Yeah. You're not really fighting this thing in underground caverns or in, uh, like, coastal I just imagined region. a tiny pond leviathan just <laughs> kicking a storm <laughs> in this tiny pond. <laughs> just a puddle leviathan. Yeah. Hilarious. The water snake. Uh, yeah. I like the fact that the Zaratan, it's, it's actually like hundreds of feet across. And sometimes there's small settlements on there yeah. before it starts to move. Well, like when, the idea. when we did the, there you weren't on the monk episode. I don't know why I need to tell you that. You know that. Um, but when you were on the monk <laughs> episode, I actually pitched the idea of putting a monk monastery on the back of one of these things. Oh, really? Okay. And having it move around. And I love that. Yeah. So I thought, and that's part of your training is stay on the back of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I would like to see not necessarily change the element because it's a, it's an earth elemental, but see them from different environments. Like I think you should have a desert or like a red rock, Arizona type one, one Nevada, yeah. which is going to look different to the mountainous type region. And at some point I am totally happy homebrewing a magma one of these. Oh yeah. Stick right. a volcano on the back of it. Yeah. Or have it emerge from the volcano and it's just hot. Yeah. You just take fire damage when you hit this thing. Right. Yeah. But it's still an earth elemental. That's right. Yeah. yeah you're so, right. um, and I would look to the, I don't know, the methods or the magman maybe to use to find what damage types to be using. Yeah. Shit, so. yeah. yeah. Set piece encounters, ideas, campaign usage. Um, I do like using the ideas, this one particular just because of its nature. I like the idea of it having as a set piece and sorry, trying to find a way to or a reason to fight this thing. I felt would have been hilarious if it just walked around eating villages. Right. So like you small, would find that hilarious. Yes, I would find this hilarious. And the reason, okay, I'll keep going. So it eats these small villages that have sometimes like fighters or other like large stone buildings or what have you. And then when you go to fight it, because they they take your party and say, hey, can you fight this elemental because it's destroying all of our tiny villages? And you're like, yeah, sure, let's do this as a great group that we are. And then when it spews rocks at you, you're actually getting spewed with like the swords. The daggers, ah. the stones of buildings, like the crosses from churches. Wagon wheels. Wagon wheels. Like the like, stained glass window comes flying <laughs> at you. I just feel like that would be a really fun, as a DM, I think that would be fun to just be like, all right, so roll decks, uh, there is a, a wagon wheel flying at you. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I just think it would be a lot of fun. There's like barrels and shit. Like yeah. Horse corpses. Roll yeah. the decks if there are 6,000 gold coins coming your way. It's just eating the bank. But that too, like at the end of it, once you kill it, you might find like treasure and stuff like that because it's been eating and absorbing the mm-hmm. land around it, which would contain other like... Maybe that's the reason to fight it because you go to the ancient lost city of MacGuffin and he's eating <laughs> Oh, uh, I, I love the fact that, you know, his undercarriage is a bunch of gems yeah. at the bottom of the like, shell. He just makes yeah. shaking noises when he walks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. 
Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Adam? Um, I would. I like the idea of you being, you enter a town, you're going to spend a whole lot of time in the town, and everyone's making, everyone's making references to the beast below. And everyone's thinking lower planes. They're thinking demons or devils or maybe something from the Underdark. It's the beast from below. And, you know, you cannot cast magic spells here. Or you will awaken the beast from below. And they're like, oh, it's a purple worm. It's what yeah. it is. And everybody in the town just knows. They don't remember what it is. Because we just know from generations speaking here that you don't piss off the beast from below. There's no magic in that three mile radius. Right. Or it'll wake up. And then, of course, your party's going to be like, sure, but we need to heal. So, you know, fuck that. We could take it, whatever it is. And then this motherfucker stands up, yeah. right? Essentially, you woke it from its slumber. Would this also, I'm now also imagining the fact that this is just a town of flat earthers. Because yeah. Because there's an edge. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to the turtle. <laughs> so I start talking about the world's edge and you're like, what yeah. are you talking I, about? I like the idea of reversing that because it's like discs and stuff in D&D. &D, yeah. Where there's the one person that believes from the maps that the, 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 the Forgotten Realms is round and everybody thinks that that guy's crazy. Yeah. Like, everybody knows it's a layered disc system. No, like, the fact that we can navigate from the stars and stuff suggests that it's round. All right, lunatic, off you go. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I kind of uh, had the idea because it's a moving... No, you fucked with me now. Where does the sun go in D&D? I don't know, Adam. I rely on you for the answers to these questions. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be like a beautiful mind in Adam's apartment now. It's just codes and magazine clippings everywhere. <laughs> 20 fucking three! Okay. Um, I like the idea of using it as a wandering base. Like, uh, like a like shield. Is that what I imagine this? For the heroes or the enemy or, or wherever to, you know, it. but it's moving randomly. You don't have a control over it, but that's your point that you go do your mission and then for some way, some way that you can track it and you return to it. You have like a teleportation circle and whatever. Yeah, however you're going you to do it, but you don't really have control over where it's going. This thing may be migrating north, which is incredibly inconvenient to you because now it's going into the icy, frigid temperatures, but that's where all your shit is and you keep it there because it's hard to track and it's very safe most of the time until the dry season or until it insists on moving to the monsoon continent like and yeah. so it's unpredictable where it's going it just goes off its own instinct uh, but it's hard for the enemy to track you or if it's flipped around and it's something that you're trying to track you don't know why this thing is moving all the time you've i've inspired now to make like a significant portion of this earth elemental um like iron right um is iron the right uh, steel? Maybe like that. There's there's something in it. It's got some sort of uh, magnetic, and all your compasses just point towards it, and it keeps moving. There you go. Yeah. So you keep getting lost. Oh, oh yeah. Man, I don't know. I just imagined your party like leaving the base and going on its adventure, and then you see it heading north, and you're going on. And all of a sudden, you turn to your friend like. Did we bring the horses in before we left? <laughs> <laughs> and now you darn well know that you're not going to have any horses when you get back to your base. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, for some reason, it does find some sort of attraction to just one party member that it just wants to follow all the time. Not yeah. now. Not now. Yeah. We're in negotiations. <laughs> okay, excellent. Okay, team. Well, if there's nothing else on uh, Zartan, we can... Uh, 
cut to a short break. We'll do a shout out and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Coffee Bitch Dave chiming in here for a minute. I haven't been able to get out and see the guys lately because we've been recording remotely. I, I've been feeling kind of out of place. I haven't been able to get the coffee for everybody. It, it's It's been bothering me. So I've turned inside and really gone to the internet to see new things and keep my mind occupied while I sit at home and worry about not delivering coffee to Dan and Adam, Terry, or the other two. And during my travels, I, I've landed on this wonderful site called Reddit that I don't think we talk about very often. There is, which you guys may not know, an It's a Mimic subreddit, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. What I want to talk about is some of the ones that I've found that have been really good. For instance, one of the favorite subreddits that I've found is D&D Green Text, because there's a lot of great ideas in it, okay? But at the same time, there are some terrible people out there. And it's wonderful to just sit and read, you know, nothing fancy, and feel better about myself. These people are weird, sometimes in a good way. So, again, I just want to give them a shout out. Thanks, D&D Green Text. You've made this just a little bit easier and a little bit weirder. And we're back. Adam, it's your Elder Elemental. Right. I'm just, I need to know where the sun goes in Forgotten Realms and is fucking with me now. I don't know. Did you Google where does the sun go in Forgotten Realms? N- no, but Terry's not wrong. There will be notes about this. I've, there's, <laughs> there's geometry that is going to happen. Um, all right, so I've got the Elder Tempest. Yes. And the Elder Tempest is, of course, the air elemental. It's weird that they didn't just call it a Tempest. Well, how come we didn't, we didn't get an Elder Leviathan? Yeah. Like, there's, there's no Tempest. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, anyway. It's all weird on all levels. Yeah. Um, so... Being carved from clouds, wind, rain, and lightning, the Elder Tempest assumes the shape of a serpent that slithers through the sky. The Tempest drowns the land beneath it with rain and stabs the earth with lances of lightning. Punishing wind screams around it as it flies, feeding the chaos it creates. I understand that it's going to be hard to do an air elemental because there's no air damage, but could we not have just done a whole bunch of... Force and thunder. I was going to say thunder, force. Yeah. Right? So it's... I don't know. I Already, I'm, I'm messing with the other elements here. And Anyway. Armor class 19. Um, this is the big one of all the group. It's a CR 23. So it has fewer hit points than any of the other two, though. It flies 120 feet, and it can hover. So that's a big deal. This thing is coming in out of nowhere. It's gargantuan. It is going to fuck you up. It looks like a essentially a feathery dragon. It's like a Pokemon, Adam. A Pokemon? Yes. I was going to say it looks like a Digimon. Like you guys are doing Digimon. a lot of uh, anime references. It does look like a Digimon. Yeah. Well, I'm, well, I'm only doing the three anime that I know. Wait, what, so. What's the third one? Digimon. Uh, uh, Digimon? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we have The Last Airbender, Pokemon, and Digimon. Okay. Done. Um, it's strength. It is 23, it's con is 23, it's wisdom is 21, it's charisma is 18, so we're all the way up there. Intelligence, like the others, are, are way at the bottom. And it's dex is 28. So you get a plus 9, that's, that's real big, but does it does it matter? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I guess that's just the, the theme. It's air, it moves. Sure, I guess. Yeah. I feel like water moves too, and like the water dex was, was really high, but mm-hmm. again... Fluid like water is the phrase, not fluid like cloud. Um, there are a couple of increased saving throws. All of these guys get that. Damage resistances, again, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. 
Its immunities are lightning, poison, and thunder, which makes sense. You can't, as much as you can have a poison cloud, you can't poison a cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is lightning and thunder, apparently. Its condition immunities are exhaustion, makes sense. Grappled, paralyzed, petrified, makes sense. Poison, we covered. You can't knock the air elemental prone, makes sense. You can't restrain it or stun it. Um, so fuck you, monks. Um, there uh, is dark vision up to 60 feet. Passive reception is 15. This is all really straightforward stuff still. Mechanically speaking, these guys are not that different from each other. There's a little bit of flavor on the immunities, but they're all kind of in the same boat. It has air form, which means a Tempest can enter a hostile creature's space and stop there, and it can move through a space as narrow as one inch wide without squeezing. It's the same thing as the uh, Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know what squeezing does? No. Squeezing is actually a mechanic where if you're in a very tight space, if you take a medium-sized creature and make him crawl through a cobalt tunnel, then he's squeezing, which means he has disadvantage on attacks. Right. Makes sense. So I guess that with the Leviathan and the Elder Tempest, they can go through and still get an attack without disadvantage if it's um, one inch or, or larger. If it's less than that, they can still get in. Yeah. They're not just blocked. They're they're still getting in. They will just have disadvantage on that attack. <laughs> they squeeze in. Yeah. Um, flyby. Here's my favorite thing about it. The Tempest doesn't provoke opportunity attacks when it flies out of an enemy's reach. Yeah. So with the 120-foot movement, you guys are fucked. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> have you ever tried to hit air when it blows past you? <laughs> yeah, especially if it's... <laughs> the only the, thing I hit when I play sports. So. <laughs> <laughs> if there are two open windows... <laughs> this thing's gonna come in beat up everybody and fuck off again um legendary resistances of course and it is living storm the tempest is always at the center of a storm for 1d6 plus 4 miles in diameter which is rare that we see miles i'm happy about that mm-hmm. <laughs> heavy precipitation in the form of either rain or snow falls there causing the area to be lightly obscured heavy rain also extinguishes open flames and imposes disadvantage on perception checks that rely on hearing in addition, strong winds swirl in the area covered by the storm. The winds impose disadvantage on ranged attack rolls, and winds extinguish open flames and disperse fog. Now, you'll notice that those ranged attack rolls are not specifically um, physical weapons. That can be magic spells as well. Yeah. Which means right. your firebolt and your Eldritch Blast and that kind of shit yeah. um, are going to have disadvantage to hit, which means... This thing is going to hit you and leave before you can hit it, and then you will have trouble hitting it from a distance. Mm-hmm. Area of effect seems to be the thing that you can do. Yeah. And it flies, so it's going up. You're not just going to be able to run up to it. And it extinguishes all flames. So if you're fighting this at nighttime, human fighter, don't worry, you don't know what's going on anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Tempest deals double damage to objects and structures because it's a siege monster. It makes two attacks with its thunderous slam. How come you with the Leviathan got Slam for 1d10 plus 1d10 and I get Thunderous Slam for 46 plus 9? I just... I don't know. I just... I, I want more for the Leviathan. It got such the yeah. shit end of the deal. It this. did. It's like the baby of the legendary elements. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's a Lightning Storm. This is Recharge on a 6. All other creatures within 120 feet of the Tempest must... Uh, each make a DC 20 deck save or take 68 lightning damage. Um, and half as much on a successful one. If a target saving throw fails by five or more, 
the creature is also stunned until the end of its next turn, which is crippling. Crippling, yeah. Especially because this guy's going to move in and out of your space all the time, hitting you all the time with shit. So he's going to stun you. Then, then on his next turn, he's going to come in. He's going to fuck with you. Um, you get three legendary actions. Move. We can move up to its speed. All the others get to do this too. Lightning strike can cause a bolt of lightning to strike a point on the ground anywhere under its storm. So you don't have to hit someone. You're not rolling to hit. It's just over here. Each creature within five feet of that point must make a DC 20 dex save, taking 3d10 lightning damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. Mm -hmm. Additionally, so that costs two actions. You can also do for three actions screaming Gale, which is a woman named Gale who's just shrieking in the storm. (laughs) 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 Should I continue or just end on a turn? Okay, no, I I, want to Gale in the world. Um, the Tempest releases a blast of thunder and wind on, in a line that lasts, or that is one mile long and 20 feet wide. Objects in that area take 40, 10 thunder damage. You see how there's not a save there? Yeah. You just take 40, 10 thunder damage. Each creature there must succeed on a DC 21 deck save, uh, or take 40, 10 thunder damage and be flung up to 60 feet in a direction from the line. If a thrown target collides with an immovable object such as a wall or floor, the target takes 1d6 bludgeoning damage for every 10 feet it was thrown before impact, which is the same as falling damage. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that mechanic isn't written in any of the other ones, in the sense where if you are in a tidal wave and you hit a non-moving object, I feel like that needs yeah, to... Yeah, right. Like, yeah. It, it feels weird. Yes, you are absolutely correct. I want to apply this to everything that moves anything. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's so many... Even this one's a little bit weaker in some ways. So many ways in which these elder elementals can just constantly cause damage to you. Yeah. Whether it be like, okay, so the lightning storm, you've taken all that lightning damage. You're now stunned. Take a turn. You can't do anything because you're stunned. And so I will now do my lightning strike. Uh, you've all stood within 20 feet of each other because you didn't expect this. And so now you're all fucked again. That also hit all of the structures. So they're falling on top of you now. Yeah. And now you're all pinned. And I'll just chill for a couple of rounds and then I'll recharge. Um, additionally, my favorite thing about this is as a me- uh, mechanic for if you get knocked into another creature, they have to make a DC 19 deck save, or they also take the same amount of damage, Man, and they're knocked prone. Yeah. Hmm. So, I, I really, really like this. This one feels like it lives up to the hype. Yeah. Where the yeah. Leviathan as a CR 20 doesn't really. Yeah. It, the Leviathan as a CR 20 is, hey, guess what? There's tidal waves with a little bit of intelligence behind it. Yeah. Yeah. You pissed off the water. It's reacting to you. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's a butt ton of hit points. Yeah. Right. Do you guys have a, a set piece for this? I do. Let me scroll down to it here. Well, this is one of the ones that I I would want to see when I read this one. I wanted to see this one fighting another elemental. Like the other ones, I didn't really see them clashing as much in my mind as I was reading them. But when I read this one, I want to see the fight between Leviathan and... The Elder Tempest. I want yeah. to see the fight of what it would be like to be on the back of the... I guess I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> the Zartan. Zartan. And then all of a sudden, the Elder Tempest starts a storm on top of this mm-hmm. turtle that now starts to retaliate, right? Like, this is the one that I want to see fight things, right? And so I would use that almost as a background set piece of this elemental will fuck with other elementals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I also feel like this one's probably the most malevolent. And it's yeah. always raging. The other ones, I feel sleep. Yeah. This one doesn't because it's in the middle of a storm all of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is your emo, angry, 
Yeah. I hate life. I'm playing rock music in my headset all the time. I can't. This hear is what you're Dan saying. at 17 years old. Yeah. yeah that's what yeah. we're saying. <laughs> so, no, I, uh, my big set piece for this is going to be, again, the subversion. Everyone's expecting a Leviathan because there's whirlpools out there in the ocean and all. Yeah, but it's this guy yeah. creating storms and shit, right? Yeah. So, my set piece encounter, and I suppose you can do it with any of them, but really I'd like it with this one, is for a homebrew. Wild Magic Sorcerer, Wild Magic Table. And just put this on it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a smaller version of this, but yeah. But even, you know, something along these lines. And and just leave it there, knowing that you'll be prepared for how you're going to adjust the story arc for if and when it comes up, whether it comes up at level 3 or level 18. I mean, wouldn't that be fantastic if you're planning your final battle or whatever and you go in and do your thing as a Wild Magic Sorcerer? Roll your one, have to roll on the table, and then this fucking thing appears as well. Because um, I just like a bit of chaos in the games, but as long as you're prepared <laughs> a little bit, as yeah. the DM to, to handle it, what an amazing story arc. Okay, here's a big side quest of side quests. You're the wild magic within you is unleash this. Or going the other way of can we use this as a patron for a warlock? I really want look, the warlock subclasses are bizarre and weak. I hate the fact that there are only three packs and that the patrons are Five intelligent creatures and a fucking sword. Yeah. And who's picking Undying? Yeah. Right? And Celestial is not getting the love that it wants. You only ever hear about Archfey and Great Old One. Right? So, like, there Truly. needs to be more ops. I love the idea of the elemental patron. Yeah. Except, I think you're siphoning power off of it. It's not granting it to you. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, you're right. Surely, like, Tempest Cleric. Surely we can, because we're saying that they're, they're godlike. And, you know... Well, and, There's got to be a way to make that work. That would be phenomenal. The elementals in Princes of, of the Apocalypse are all around this level as well. Yeah. And they are the Princes of the Apocalypse. That's what the whole um, Temple of Elemental Evil is about right, that you're right. in. Right. And they all have more intelligence and personalities. And I think they are really good for what you're talking about, mm-hmm. Terry. These guys feel like they're they're really good. You can, you can picture... I, I said Kuotoa worshipping the Leviathan. But you can picture Goliaths worshipping the um, the Zaratan. Or the um, Aarakocra worshipping an Elder Tempest. Yeah. Right? Like, there are definitely communities of a specific kind of creature yeah. that would worship a specific kind of elemental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you wanted to go full airbender, just do a bunch of water or, like, Leviathan yeah. raising monks. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Either way, there has to be a way to to, uh, to accidentally summon one of these at some point. Many Even if times. you just still just leave it out in the middle of the ocean somewhere. Just like if it starts just coming, just fuck, just throw it overboard and just leave it there. It'll be fine. It would well, be the thing you abandon and run away from. And you're like, should we take care of that eventually? Maybe yeah. we'll think about it. <laughs> I, I feel like this is also a thing that I would just drop on a map. And I would say, hey, look, over here in this, there's nothing in this area. It's a desert or it's a wasteland or it's open water, whatever it is. There's no feature to the land. But... It's the fastest, it's the closest way to get to this other place. You can go the long way or you can go through the storm, which is always there. And no one ever mentions the storm. Like what's in the eye of the storm, which is this guy. Yeah. It's just the storm is always there. Mm-hmm. And eventually you just keep ramping up the pressure for you guys to move faster and faster and faster until they have to take a shortcut. And you're fucked. Yeah. Right. Here we go. Here's the Elder Tempest. And you don't have to defeat it. Any of these guys, you just need to get out of their way. Just got to survive it. Love it. This is the shortest episode we've ever done. 
<laughs> it is. Any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Um, the, yes. Okay, so the Prince of the Apocalypse, the Temple of Elemental Evil and all that, is just freaking full of cultists. Elemental cultists. There's a lot of good shit in there. And not just, like, henchmen, which you're used to, like the cultist stat block. There are guys with names and motivations and shit. If you're going to really do an elemental campaign, I highly suggest you go buy Prince of the Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Right, because it's... Got a lot of really good stuff. The The temple itself is really fun. The book itself, in my opinion, is a little lacking. There's a lot of just nothing to do a lot of the time. You're walking across the landscape to get to the temple of elemental evil. Oh, uh, right, but nothing happens until you get there. Yeah, it's like the Tomb of Annihilation is walking through the jungle for 12 levels and then you get to a tomb. Yeah. Right? Like, it's y y you follow me on that? Mm. It's Curse of Strahd is... You wandering around Barovia and Strahd goes <laughs> from a distance every once in a while until you fight him at the end. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it, it, there's, it, that's very much how the D&D &D, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, there's another one, right? The, yes, the Mad Mage is at the end of it. We all know that. Here, here we go. Rise of Tiamat. Guess what happens? Right? So, <laughs> so um, but there is a lot of really cool stuff as far as the cults and the worshiping and. And other smaller, weirder elementals as well are, are in there. So Yeah. I do also feel like we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but I think it's really important to drive it home that these are, in my mind, base structures of what elementals can be. So technically, we did talk about how they are supposed to be bound to something. So just because the Leviathan is not necessarily strong on its own, bind it to a Goliath or bind it to something stronger so that it has those aspects that you're looking for to be more of a threat, yeah. right? I almost wish that you that there was a table somewhere where you could add um, elemental stats yeah. to, uh, to a creature. You would have to homebrew it a little bit if you wanted to do it now, so you're right. But I would look at, at these, these elder elementals and I would say, okay, if I wanted to make any tier four creature a water or air or whatever version of itself, I would add these features from the Leviathan to it. Yeah. Right. And then, and then I would look at tier three. I've taken away a couple of those and tier two, I've limited it even more. And then tier one, you've got, you've got water goblins, right? And so they've still got the ability to move through the one inch space or whatever, just, but they're goblins. Yeah. How about, right? uh, you guys just sparked my imagination there. The NPC that gets in some way touched by the elements or bound or has an elemental bound to it and then just keeps advancing it like Lucy style, just 40%, 50%, 60% until just eventually becoming Leviathan. Yeah, itself. Yeah, I like that. That's a good That's a good end, end game yeah. for, a, for a character. Especially you know, if you're attached to that character from the start, right? And you can see it and you kind of know where it's going. Man, eventually we're going to have to fight this thing. Eventually we're going to have to fight this person. You're talking a Tempest cleric or yeah. a... Way of the Four Elements monk, yeah. or like you, you're gonna have to flavor it that direction. Yeah. Um, even a, a light cleric, the light cleric was all about fire. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, there's gonna be some stuff. It's weird that we got nothing cold here. Right. I really thought that between Leviathan and Elder Tempest, who can do snow, we didn't get any cold damage anywhere. Yeah. Does that not feel weird to anyone else? Yeah, that does feel weird. So, yeah, I, as a matter of fact, the cold damage hurts the Leviathan, which makes sense. It can turn to ice. But I don't know about you guys. Water, water's cold. <laughs> the ocean be cold. Yeah. Even, even, <laughs> even Earth is cold. Yeah. I don't picture these guys bleeding so much as just having 
chunks of their body removed yeah. Yeah. as they go. And even the Elder Tempest just dissipates a little bit as you start hacking rain out of it. <laughs> what does that look like? Let me just wisp at this cloud. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Well, that's it for this week's episode on Elementals. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thank you for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast and make sure to check us out next week when we're covering part three of our series on condition effects. Yay, I'm actually excited, but it sounds so boring, but it's so much fun. <laughs> I've been on the condition episode, so I'm a little biased. Oh, you, they're not fun? <laughs> I, the last one was when we talked about grappling because I hate it a lot, but that's fine. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Phoenix. <laughs> the place Arizona. The bird. Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of birds, that's where all Canadians migrate to in the winter months. And so that ties in. It doesn't even tie in. No. It doesn't even tie in. Welcome to another round of Terry Facts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk about the Phoenix. Releasing a Phoenix from the inner planes creates an explosion of fire that spreads across the sky. An enormous fiery bird forms in the center of the flames of smoke. An elder elemental possessed by a need to burn everything to ash. The Phoenix rarely stays in one place for long as it strives to transform the world into an inferno. And it's neutral because I don't think it, well, it doesn't have opinions on whether that's right or wrong. That's just what it does. It can't help it. That's just yeah, like fire can't help but burn more things as it touches it. Yeah. Look, a cactus pricks you. Yeah. It's not evil. It just like, don't fuck with the cactus. Yeah. Well, now I'm just imagining a bunch of evil cacti. Just be like, hey. <laughs> as a matter of fact, if you go listen to the Underdark episode, Dan goes off about cactus people in that one. Oh, no. And that's actually a D&D thing. Not in Fifth Ed. We don't have stats for them, but yeah. it, that's a D&D thing. Dan also believes in cactus people in real life and is determined to find one. So. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I kind of, you sometimes, you know, with movies and things like that, you assume a phoenix is going to be good aligned. But I guess it's not, really. It's, it's just a, instinctual. We don't live in the Harry Potter universe. No? The, the Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> Every 15 episodes, give or take. Yes, let's bring it up. Exactly. The entirety of Canada and the U.S. is going, Her- Harry Harry Potter? <laughs> My favorite thing in the world is Terry's fucking North American accent. <laughs> With your fucking three vowels that you have here. <laughs> and I don't know why we all sound like this. Because <laughs> that's how you talk. Yeah. You guys want to get tacos? <laughs> First of all, ah is not a vowel. <laughs> They're tacos, okay? Yikes. Or, or if you spell it with an O, they're tacos, okay? So either we're having tacos or tacos, there's not R. But whatever. <laughs> I want to know what a taco is. <laughs> I, feel like a, I feel like you get a taco out of a food truck. Yeah. I'll just have the nachos. Please. <laughs> nachos. The, <laughs> the nachos. Do, does, it, does it burn like a phoenix? <laughs> Armor class 18, standard hit points at 175. That's 10d10 plus 70, Megan. Their speed is 20 feet, yet their fly speed is 120 feet. Strength 19, dex 26, con 25, int 2. I also expect them to be more intelligent than that. But that they're, just, they're just fire. Wisdom 21, charisma 18. 
Saving throws, wisdom plus 10, charisma plus 9, damage resistances, all the ones you already know, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, anything from a barbarian. Uh, damage immunities <laughs> are fire and poison, condition immunities, exhaustion, grappled. They can't be grappled. Paralyzed, Isn't petrified. it weird that, that there's nothing but radiance with this one? Right. Like, don't you think it should be resistant or immune to, ra- to light? It's a fucking right. firebird. Yeah. Oh, weird. So you're... I also don't feel like you should be able to blind it. In a way, but, yeah. Well, whatever. Senses: dark vision, sixty feet. Passive perception of fifteen. No languages. I have a question about why it needs dark vision. Why? It's fire. <laughs> it oh, doesn't sorry. Mean... <laughs> I thought you hadn't asked the no, question. No, no, yet. no, no. I know. I got a question about it. why does it? It's got a thing. It generates its own light. It, yeah, it's got a, a, a thing called illumination. Like, like it that. just thinks it has dark vision, but really it's just flame. <laughs> Who has dark vision? You don't have dark vision, Phoenix. You're a walking torch. A floating torch. <laughs> but I can see in the dark. Technically, you can see in the dark, so. Uh, fiery death and rebirth. When the Phoenix dies, it explodes. Each creature within 60 feet of it must make a DC 20 dex save, taking 22 standard fire damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. Uh, the fire ignites flammable objects in the area that aren't worn or carried. Good, burning everything. The explosion destroys the Phoenix's body and leaves behind an egg-shaped cinder that weighs 5 pounds. The cinder is blazing hot, dealing 21 fire damage to any creature that touches it, though no more than once per round. The cinder is immune to all damage, and after 1d6 days, it hatches into a new phoenix. My favorite thing about this is there's no way to undo that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all there is. It's true. I like the idea that... Now, is this egg... Is it valuable? Because it doesn't last very long, right? It's like everybody would like one, but you only have maximum oh, six Oh, remember days. we talked about dragons who get imbued with element with elements? Yeah. A red dragon that eats one of these eggs becomes imbued with fire elemental. Yeah. There we go. Do you think that the egg, if it was to be swallowed, though... like because Heartburn. Nothing, <laughs> right? But it, it can't take any damage in its egg form, so it would just hatch or be shot out by the said dragon. Oh, can you imagine Oh my god, that, that's like having egg. some food truck level tacos. But could you imagine fighting a dragon yes. and then all of a sudden it explodes and a phoenix is burst because it has happened to it, be it's, it's winning the fight all of a sudden its guts open up and an egg just drops out. Yeah. It's burned its way through the dragon. Uh, oh god. god. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe just force feed. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, fire form. The phoenix can move through a space as narrow as one inch wide without squeezing. Any creature that touches the phoenix or hits it with a melee attack while within five feet of it takes five fire damage. In addition, the phoenix can enter a hostile creature's space and stop there. The first time it enters a creature's space on a turn, the creature takes five fire damage. With a touch, the phoenix can also ignite flammable objects that aren't worn or carried. No action required. So this is similar to the Leviathan where it can just stand on top of you and drown you. But it seems very weak, in my opinion, in the fact that you are now engulfed in flame. And just, it can just fly around the town and set everything on fire. Yeah. It doesn't even have to It doesn't have to fight you. It just runs around a circle, all the buildings around you are on fire, and you're like, okay, bye. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't Uh, have to fight you. I'm cool with it. I wish this, I mean, it has flyby. That's the next thing. Yeah. So I love the idea of it just landing on thatched roofs. And burning a village to the ground. On your ship. <laughs> on, yeah, on your ship. On your airship. You have a blimp and it lands on top and all of a sudden there's a loud pop, a whoopee cushion noise, and you are hurtling towards the ground. What just happened? It's, a, it's like it's a zeppelin. <laughs> exactly. 
you look up and all you see is a caca <laughs> off into the distance. <laughs> Do you think it caused? It was. It seems non-specific about what kind of. I feel like it would just make like a fire noise. Like I, I, I'm, I'm going to flavor it to be a, a turkey. It'll make gobbling noises. It makes gobble noises. Gobble gobble. Yeah. yeah. The flame that gobbles the world. Burninator. <laughs> and they're gargantuan as well. They're massive. Yeah. All right, what else? Bigger you Terrifying. Fly by. The phoenix doesn't provoke opportunity attacks when it flies out of an enemy's reach, so it's flying around setting the town on fire and nobody's hitting having it. Having a good time. Doing. It's having yeah. a great time. Illumination. The phoenix sheds bright light in a 60-foot radius. That's as far as its dark vision. Dark. Yeah. <laughs> and then dim light for another 30 feet. Like, what the fuck is the point of the dark? You know what? I'm mad now. Wizards, that's a real. Usually, I don't nitpick on these things. But that's fucking ridiculous <laughs> that you give it dark vision when it's never in the dark. It, it took you months to give the Triton dark vision underwater, and they've done that now. They with, have good with with Theros coming out. But for fuck's sakes, guys! <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, Legendary resistance three day. Um, so if it fails the saving throw, I can choose to succeed instead. Siege monster. So the Phoenix deals double damage to objects and structures. For its multi-attack, it has its beak attack. It's a plus 13 to hit, reach of 15 hit, 15 feet. 15 fire damage is standard. If the target is a creature or a flammable object, it ignites. If it is a creature or a flammable object, yeah. it ignites. Until the creature takes an action to douse the flames, it takes 5 fire damage at the start of each of its turn. This is brilliant. Fiery talents, plus 13 to hit, reach 15 fit, feet. I can't speak. One target. Hits 17 points of fire damage on a hit. So, okay, we got the Leviathan that does the tidal wave mechanic. We've got the Zeratan that drops buildings and does earthquakes. We've got the Elder Tempest, which is lightning strikes and uh, hurricanes. And now we have this, which is when you're on fire, this is what should happen. 1d10 until you take an action to put your shit out. This should be mechanics in the DMG. I'm so annoyed that uh, it should be. It they're should buried be. in here. I just don't like... I ju- well, in fact, let me save this comment until after I've done the legendary actions, okay? So the legendary actions, it has peck, so it can make one beak attack, can move, or it can do a swoop, which costs two actions, which is the phoenix moves up to its speed and then attacks with its fiery talons. This feels weak for attacks. This is a gargantuan phoenix, and it either pecks you or hits you with its talons. I'm sorry, what, because it can swoop in and do the flyby attack... Why is this CR 16 when the Leviathan, who can't do that, yeah. is a CR 20? And I think it's because they assume you're on a freaking boat. Yeah. yeah. Right? Which makes everything harder. Granted, it does. Capsize the ship. Now you're in water. You're fucked. Yeah. Right? But it's very dependent upon your, your environment there. So, but what, no. the, what the shit? This feels more powerful than the, than the Leviathan. Well, in, in that sense, it does. But it's just, it also feels like you're limited in options there's no cool flavor stuff the swoop swoop where you're just swooping or you can peck if i can be honest i've seen more phoenix shit than any other elder elemental in D. every once in a while you'll run into a dm that just loves adding a phoenix egg right or a phoenix feather well, the or a whatever it constant is. returning thing right yeah. like you can't get rid of them so once there's a phoenix in your game it's there forever you can't yeah. that's so. right but i mean like can you have a wing attack tail attack can you have a little bit of a breath weapon? <laughs> but I think that's the same thing we spoke to before, where the Leviathan doesn't really have any abilities to its physical form. Whereas everything else seems to have that, except for... But the Phoenix does have its... A beak. I can't imagine what it would be like to be bitten by a fire beak. No, no, 
Peck. You get Sorry, Peck. Pecked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Don't this, talk to me about this, this is a gargan- our gargantuan pecker. This guy right here. <laughs> and hot. <laughs> but if you do for the CR defense, it is only an 18 armor class, and it only has 175 average hit points. So it is. But, but the 18 is still higher than the Leviathan. It is, but it has like a quarter of the amount of hit points. Right, and I think that 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 again feels super fucking weak. And why does cold not affect this thing? Yeah. Again, cold has just been forgotten. With all of this stuff. I like how the Leviathan had a weakness, like, specifically written, because yeah. it's elemental. But the other ones don't really have anything written of, it is weak to this because of the element that it is. Right, yeah. I would like more Elder Elementals that um, that are the Mephit types. So you have a Gargantuan Elder Dust Elemental. And Ice Elemental. Yeah. And this is more shit that I'm looking for. Yeah. Ash Elemental. That sounds badass and cool, and I'm totally all about that shit. Bring Pokemon into the D and D world. Don't. don't. <laughs> somebody's gonna have that idea. Uh, that there. there's, it's already been homebrewed. Sure it's homebrewed. Yeah. Home yeah, absolutely. Sure it has. Those fuckers. You're <laughs> just like irrationally angry, but uh, these are Pokemon, right? Like you can bind them to little balls and shit. And yeah. Well, I guess you can do whatever you want in D and D. I suppose so. Yeah. We live in a fantasy world. You can do whatever you want. I mean, I like it. I just feel like as a DM, I'd be tempted to just add some other cool stuff in there. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's enough. I I, I want there to, when it flaps its wings, it rains ash down upon the world. Yeah. Like, it needs to be more more epic than, than what it is. I think these guys need regional effects as well, like the dragons. Yes. Yeah. It's weird that they don't have lair Lair actions, actions yeah. Right? I'd homebrew those. Especially the, the Elder Tempest. Which has a storm for 1d6 plus 4 miles. Yeah. Right? And the Zaratan, which, like, burrows down. The Leviathan feels like it's sleeping at the bottom of the ocean. The Phoenix feels like it's sitting in a volcano. Like, there should be these things that are happening. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do we like these? Like Phoenix in particular? Well, the Elder Elementals overall. Ah. Yes. I like them, but I just feel like they are basic bitches. I'm glad they're there. Yes. They should be better. Yeah. Yeah, and they all feel like they're over CR'd as well. Yes. The Phoenix feels about right. The Elder, what it is. Yeah, the Elder Tempest, honestly, is a CR 19. I feel like you're, uh, I don't know. It's like you're limited what you can do with them. Like you kind of, as a DM, how many different ways can you play Leviathan? Yeah, but I think it would. I think it would adjust and change by what you bind it to, and I think that's the only place where you can really get overly creative. Well, that and the different environments that you discover them in, right? Yeah. Honestly, uh, I really like the idea of a leviathan that is in underwater caves. Yeah. Right, and so you're in the underdark. You're underdark, and this thing is splashing water through tunnels, chasing you away, pushing you out of its lair. Mm -hmm. Right, Mm -hmm. like that. That makes more sense. Uh, oh, the Underdark again with the Zaratan, like, emerging from the ceiling. Oh, shit, yeah. And then it, like, does the, it lands, thunder, shock wave, everything, and now shit's caving in on you. Yeah. Like, these guys are all about their environment. Yeah. That's That's what it is, and the binding, you're right. Yeah. So, Dan, you, I know you're going to listen to this when you edit it. Please take note that Terry needs more binding. I'll add it to the list. Really, it's, the tab's getting pretty long here, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> and a good sturdy table to be bound to 
You've already asked for like four of those. <laughs> a, a, a random table for for Levi. No, never mind. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done. Get it. <laughs> Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I am DM Tier. <laughs> what? Well, uh, Siri. Hello, Terry. We're here with Megan and Adam. Terry has a DM. He's crap, isn't he? <laughs> what accent was that? New Zealand, I think. I yeah, think you're just making stuff close. up at this point. <laughs>